Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. We make the Bible say what we want it to say just to justify our own perspective. God is never obligated to the way we see it. He's obligated to the way he said it. Isn't that interesting? So, so in James, uh, the writing of James, Peter, as a matter of fact, Peter, James, and John, their writings are primarily first to the unbeliever. Really, well, let me say this properly. First to the Jewish unbeliever, to the Jews. And Paul's writings are to the church or to, to the Gentiles. So you have the writings to the Gentiles and then the writings to the Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians. That's the way we divide that. So all the writings of Peter, James, and John are primarily written to the Jewish believer and unbeliever. And then the writings of Paul are written to the Gentile believer, unbeliever. How many of you understand that? That is important because when you read the writings of James, sometimes it could con- seem to contradict what Paul is saying. For example, James will say that um, um, your uh, faith needs works. Paul said faith needs no works. And so which one is right? They both are. In, in the, in the, in the um, um, Greek thinking, it's either or. In the Jewish thinking, it's is, uh, both. In Greek thinking, is this or that. In Jewish thinking, is this and that. How many of you understand that? That is important going into this lesson because I'm going to talk to you about a lot of things. And God is about to show you in your life that you've, ans- you've asked him for things. You've prayed prayers that he has answered and you've ignored the answer. That's a good starting place. In James chapter 1, King James Bible, James is in the middle of a thought. And, and we pick up this thought out of context. It says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning very interesting what's the next verse say just for gp of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures verse 17 is where i want to pick up and and start this lesson from and preferably we'll get to what we need to get to in the next 30 to 45 minutes. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's be seated. In James chapter 1 verse 17, when, when I was reading this, I, I, I hate foreign language. It was one of the, when I was in college and uh, I had a chance, when my brother passed away, I was in the middle of taking a Hebrew and Greek class. And the distraction of, of trying to learn a foreign language and, and, and deal with my family and bearing our loved one was just too much. So I called my professor or the dean of the school, and I said, hey, you know, um, is there a way I could get out of my, my foreign language courses? And he said, well, he, said, he says, Pastor Ramsey, if you're going for a Master of Divinity degree, you need foreign languages or counseling. The only thing worse to me than foreign languages is counseling. And so I, I said, well, if I don't take foreign language or counseling, what kind of degree? He said, well, you won't have a divinity degree. He said, how important is a divinity degree to you? I said, it's not important at all. He said, good, drop the foreign languages. He said, in doing so, you already have your points, so you already get your master's degree. 
I said, well, how do I go about getting my, my PhD? He said, well, you go about getting your PhD by writing a dissertation. So I was closer just by dropping foreign language. But when, I comes, when it comes to studying the Word of God, because I've already been inundated and baptized into studying the, the, the language of Scripture, um, I was reading this text, and I've read it for years. Literally, I've preached this thing so many times. But when I read it this time, I flipped. I said, let me read it from the Greek Bible. And, so, and, and certain words jump out. So as I'm reading this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. When I, as I read it, the first thing that grabbed me is the bottom part of Scripture because as I read this, my mind is trained to interpret foreign language not to English but to modern English. That's one of the gifts from being from the street. So I don't just translate it from, from, the, the, from the Greek to English. I translate it from the Greek to English to street. I want to know what it means in the street. So this is interesting. It, the, reading it backwards, at least the, the last part, when it says, in whom is no variable, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Give me a New Living Translation so I can get to some English. Here's what it says. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. The first thing that jumps out as I read, read this text is this description that James gives of God. And here's what he said about him. Literally, here's what he said. Working from the bottom up, the shifting shadow. He says, God is not shady. And that's powerful. It means that whenever God speaks or says anything, you never have to doubt his honesty. You never have, never have to doubt his credibility. He's not shady. And that struck me because for James to say this, it means I must be missing something in the first part of the verse. So I've gradually back up to the next statement. He said he never changes. And when you go through the Greek and you read the language of it, in modern English what he's saying is God is not a moving target. In other words, whatever he thinks, whatever he wants, whatever he says, he's going to stick to that no matter what. If he said it, it's real whether you experience it or not. So these two statements at the bottom of this verse made me very curious. That's why I went to the Greek. What, is, what am I missing in the first part of this? And here's what I found. When you go back to the King James Version, the word gift is mentioned twice. How many of you see that? But they're two different words in the Greek. In the Greek, the text reads, I'm going to mix English and Greek. It says, every agathos dosis and every teleon dorima is from above. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what you just said. Good, I'm going to explain it. He's saying that, that these are two different types of gift that he's describing. So it's Christmas. It's coming up on the Christmas season. And the tradition has become that we exchange gifts. People tell me all the time, I hate Christmas. You know, they tell me. I say, why? They said, because it's so commercial. Well, think about it. Christmas became commercial because merchants figured out that as they, as they assessed the Christmas season, the most, the most impactful thing, the most prominent thing about the Christmas season is the Christians were giving gifts to each other. You know where they got it from? You know where we got it from? The Bible. The entire Christmas story is, is, is built around gift giving. In Isaiah 6 to 9, he says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, the, and from that moment of the, the statement of given, God is giving things to us. The wise men, they bring gifts. And you look and all, everything is gift giving through this whole season. All they did was monetize it. But what if we're missing something about this gift giving? 
What, what if, if, if uh, this whole thing about, matter of fact, I'm going to say this. When you look at the life of Jesus, God gave him his assignment. God gave him as a gift. God gave him his name as a gift. God gave him his disciples as a gift. He turns around. He gives his life back to, he's given his, his life to God as a gift. He gives his life for us as a gift to us. He gives his body as a gift to us. If you keep studying the scripture at the end of all things, here's what's going to happen. God is going to, as a reward to Jesus, he's going to give him all of creation as a gift. He's going to give him the scepter, the royal scepter as a gift. We're going to, we're going to crown king of king. Then he's going to turn around and give everything as a gift back to God. The whole relationship between God and Jesus is about gift giving. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you on an academic doctrinal journey. And I want to reset it. Now, now here's the difficulty about doing academics and doctrinal on Sunday morning. We ain't accustomed to that. Some people have been going to church for 30 years, they never learned a thing. Right? But if you go to school or college for four years, you want your degree. So we're going to learn, everybody say, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to take you through a different, different phases of this lesson because there's something I want to point out to you. Here's what James actually said. The word good is the word agathos or agathe, and what it means is beneficial. The word for gift, the first word for gift is the word dosis. Dosis is one of seven words in the New Testament or in the New Testament Greek that translates gift. The root word for, for uh, gift given in, in Greek is the word didomi. And didomi is a simple gift. It's just a simple giving of something to someone. But that's as simple as it gets. Every word for gift in the New Testament has a different shade of meaning, and the Holy Spirit chooses to use the word based on what he wants to convey. How many of you following this? So the, the, now you say, Pastor, you see, that's the problem with me reading the Bible. I would never understand that. Can I help you with that? In Ephesians 4, the Bible says that Jesus ascended on high and he gave gifts of men. He gave gifts to the church to make sure that you understand everything that he's saying to you. He gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the church, for the work of the ministry. Even your learning is from a gift. Isn't that interesting? God is so into gift giving, and when you understand what a, what a gift giving is predicated around, it's, it's being, being given something, expecting nothing in return. And as you look at these definitions, the, word, the first word, uh, agathos, dosis, the word dosis emphasizes the very act of giving. In other words, he's saying every act of giving, and then he says in every perfect, the word teleon is, is a word for mature or developed or, or something reaching its goal. So he says every act of giving and every perfect gift, the word gift is dorema, dorema, D-O-R-E-M-A. Here's why it's important. That word emphasizes not the gift itself, but the result of the gift. Now, let me show you. I'm going to give this away. Remember this because it's coming around again, Okay. Whenever a Greek word or verb ends in M-A, ma, the emphasis is not on the thing, but on the result that it brings. This is important. I got to say it a couple more times. Whenever there's a word that ends in ma, M-A, the result is not on the thing, but the result that it brings. Last time. Whenever the word ends in ma, the suffix ma, M-A, the, the, the emphasis is not on the thing, but the result that it brings. How many of you got that? It's going to come up again. So here's what he says now. Every good gift and every, 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 act, every beneficial act of giving and every, every uh, 
gift that you receive that has an effect on you comes from above. That means something as simple as you waiting to get in traffic, in a traffic jam, and someone slows down and looks at you and and says, them letting you into traffic is a gift from God. What about this one? What about you circling the mall and you're looking for parking space, all of a sudden, bam, there goes a parking space and you pull in. You think you just got that? No, it's a gift from God. What the Bible is saying, what James points out right here, he said he's not shady in any way. It could be little, it could be great. God's going to be consistent. In no way is he a moving target. When he says, I'm going to bless you, he doesn't care if it's a gnat or if it's an eagle. He, he will give you the little and the great. God does not care. He's going to be consistent with you. To use a little thing, to him is huge. Every good gift, every gift that has an effect on you, it comes down from above, from the Father of lights. He is the one, and the Father of lights, that designation means he is create, it speaks to his creation. Now, I, I won't have a lot of time this morning to delve in, but I do want to get to some spots that will help us. How many of you ready for this? In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, there's a scripture. Now remember, this is the, this is the groundwork we just laid. God is not shady. He's not doubtful. You have never have to doubt his credibility. He is not a moving target. I don't have to hunt him down and know what he's doing. What are you doing now? I thought you said this and now you're doing that. It's never like that. God is consistent. Everybody say that with me. God is consistent. Say it again. He's consistent. He's consistent. That's important, okay? So now in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, we find the scripture. And I say unto you, matter of fact, you read with me. Ready? Read. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be uh-huh. Seek and ye shall. Yes. Knock and it shall be. Go to verse 10. It says what? Read. For everyone that asketh. Uh-huh. And he that. Uh-huh. Now, hold right there. Go back to verse 9. Put it in New Living Translation. I want you to read again. I want to engage you because I don't want you to say pastor told us. I want you to say we read. Read again. Here we go. And so I tell you. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Verse 10. For, no, 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 emphasize the words everyone. Ready? Read. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to... Wait. If God... It's not shady. And if God is not a moving target, how do we reconcile that I'm a part of everyone, but I testify today, you said, I, I asked and I didn't receive. I sought and I did not find. I knocked and it was not open. Could it be that you asked and God did exactly what he said he was going to do? He gave it to you? Could it be when you were seeking, you found? When you knocked, it was open, but you just couldn't tell? God's giving is more consistent than our recognizing. Many times what happens is God sends the exact answer for what you asked for, but because you're looking for something else, you don't see the gift. So, so, is it possible that God is clearing away the debris that's blocking the door because he sent the delivery but he, they can't get in? Could it be that your baggage is blocking the roadway? 
So God can't get in there to give you the thing that you did ask for. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you pray about this thing and then that thing begins to act up? You think it's the devil. The devil busy because no, 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 no. Could it be that it's not the devil that's ripping your relationships apart? Could it be that because you pray for this thing, God Himself came in to clear that out because that's the way in to get the thing to you? Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Join Pastor Hart Ramsey and the NCC family for Watch Night 2018. Featuring special guest, three-time Grammy Award nominee, Kim Burrell. Well, he woke me up this morning, started me on my way. Gave me grace and strength just to see another day. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Join Pastor Hart Ramsey along with special guest Kim Burrell and the Stellar Award-nominated NCC Family Choir for Watch Night 2018, December 31st, 200 Dome Lane in Dothan, Alabama. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Service begins at 9 p.m. No matter what you've experienced in 2018, 2019 is for the better. Watch night 2018. Be there. Be there. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. So she prays for a man. She got a list. And our list says triceps and biceps, abs and money. A foreign-made car and swag that won't quit. Your prayer is, I want a man, and then you put these qualifications on God. So what God does, God says she needs a man. But there's a guy in your life, he's just a good dude. He doesn't have triceps and biceps. He doesn't have a six-pack, more like a keg. He doesn't have swag. He's, he's a good guy, though. So you banish him to the friend zone. He is your friend. And you get on your knees and you're constantly asking, God, I want a man that sees the value in me. I want a man that will take me for who I am. I want a man that loves me without my weave or without my makeup. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> if he can love me, he can love me like this. <laughs> I want a man, Jesus. <laughs> So the Lord answers your prayer 
But what happens is what you're looking for is triceps and biceps and swag and, and abs and foreign-made vehicle and, and bankroll. And what you don't realize is that the dude that you banished to the friend zone fits almost every internal description you prayed for. So I want to show you something. The text says, everyone who acts receives. Everyone who seeks finds. But God gives us the best gifts. Watch this now. The best gifts. Look at this. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, you fathers, if your children ask for fish, do you give them a snake instead? Look at verse 12. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? What is, what's the answer to that? So say that loud. Of course not. Look at verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Wait a minute. We ain't talking about that. When I was studying this, that confused me. Because you, you would read it like this. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them to ask him for the Holy Spirit? But that's not what it says. It says every person that asks God for anything, what God does is he gives them the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. You see me give them the Holy Spirit. If you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit, he wants to give you Holy Spirit perspective. What he's trying to do is get the Holy Spirit to, to show you what he's given you. I'm going to show this in a minute. So the first time I read that, I went, okay, they must have missed that. So I went to Matthew chapter 7. Flip that for me. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. Because my thing was, that can't be right. So I read it from Matthew chapter 7. It says, for, so if you sin for people not to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good? Now that makes sense. That makes sense. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew says he gives a good gift. Luke tells us what the good gift is. When I begin to ask God for anything and seek and, and to knock, what he does is he, in, he immediately says, this person needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you. Now, if you read something once in the Bible, you can't make a doctrine out of it. So I want to show you something else. Go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. This got me too. So we know what the blessing of Abraham is. In Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the blessing of Abraham. Above only, not beneath. The head, not the tail. Basket, bless. Store, bless. Everything I do, bless. The fruit of my loin, everything is blessed. So I know what the blessing of Abraham is. But it says through Christ... Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Everyone say the same blessing. Yeah, so that we who are believers might receive the promised what? Why is it that every time he talks about blessing me or giving to me, he talks about give me the Holy Spirit? It's not a coincidence that it's happening twice. He says this twice. So I start to ask, what am I missing? Ask that. Say, what? Because isn't it obvious that it's kind of weird? Normally when we read the Bible, we go, oh, it's just, I don't know what that means. It doesn't make a difference, but it does. When you look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 12, I went to 1 Corinthians 2 and 12, and I went, oh. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. Why? Why does he give us a spirit? So we can know the wonderful things that God has, past tense, already freely given us. And here 
is what strikes me. She has a list so long of all the attributes she wants in this man that will make her life complete. She has, she's been meticulous. She detailed everything about him. She's looked at every. She's Frankensteined him, so to speak. She pulled a little bit from that one and that one. He got to look, and she, she amalgamated these attributes, and she made a Frankenstein. If she could go into a laboratory, she'll make him and stand him up. But while she was crying out to God in sincerity and asking the Father for a man to cover her and to love her and to value her, God sent the gift. He was a little chubby. Not rich, but a good steward. Not a whole lot of swag, but clean. He, watch this now. He didn't drive a foreign car, but you could tell he has foreign car mindset. It wasn't about what, drove, what he was driving, it was about what was driving him. He valued you, never put you on the block and made you parade your body. He never at all encroached upon who you were, but he was always so close to be the friend. He was always that person you can talk. You say, I can talk to him. And you can't see him for who God sent him to be because you hasn't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So God gives us a spirit and the Holy Spirit works with you to show you that the thing you praying for, God already gave you. But you banished him to the friend zone. Uh, he just my friend. But your list said, I want him to be my best friend. And I want him to love me without makeup. But when you went through that tragedy, the same guy from the friend zone saw you. Nappy head and all. No makeup, no stuck on eyelashes. He saw you the way you was, and he loved who he saw. He valued you, although you looked a fool that day. He didn't care. You know why? Because he's the gift. And sometimes when God gives you the gift, sometimes we look at it and we go, well, that can't be the gift because it doesn't fit my... They ain't like me there. Okay, let's go. So, so, so I want to go through this and show you that many times when we go to God, when God gives gifts to us, it's easy to think that he didn't answer your prayer because the gift is there, but sometimes it can't get through the debris of the last disaster in your life. Sometimes the gift can't get through the trauma you're working through. Sometimes the gift can't get through the way you see yourself. Sometimes the gift can't, and what happens, what begins to happen in your life, you think God is not, God is not answering your prayer because you can't see the gift. In English, the word gift simply means, as I said, something given voluntarily, voluntarily as to honor a person or an occasion or to provide assistance. It's presented, um, with no expectations of payment in return. But in the Greek, there's seven words, and I want to give them to you real quickly. The first word is the root word didomi, D-I-D-O-M-I. It means just simply to give a gift. That's, 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 didomi is the word to give a gift. The second word is the word doma, D-O-M-A. And doma means the it speaks to the character of the gift and not the character of the giver. This is interesting because in the word doma, whenever the Holy Spirit uses the word doma, it, it points to the value and the character of a gift. And God could use, watch this now, people with, with questionable character to give you good gifts. 
Notice, when the spies were sent to Jericho, it wasn't someone from the king's uh, um, court that came to them and hid them away. It was the owner of the local brothel. She was the madame. And Rahab hid them. Questionable character, but a good gift. When Jesus was being prepared for burial, it wasn't some, some um, emissary that came from Herod's court. It was the town prostitute that came with a year's worth of life saving and broke the alabaster box and worshipped and prepared him for his burial. That's what that, those were his words. The word doma speaks to receiving a great gift from someone that you don't even trust too much. Then there's the word doron, D-O-R-O-N. And doron speaks to gifts that belong to God. In other words, you have something in your position, possession and God gave it to you so you could give it back to him. So this holiday season, don't give God's money to Santa Claus. You got it? Doron is a gift reserved for God. If you use it for anything else, if you give it to anyone, it, what it, it loses its effect. Doron is something that God gives to you so you can invest it in this moment and see a, a, a return in the next moment. God uses, God uses Doron to schedule seasons of return in your future to make sure you're never without a harvest. The, third, the fourth word is the word Doria, D-O-R-E-A. It's a free gift with no strings attached. Now let me tell you why these words are important. Because the Holy Spirit uses these words in situations, and if you understood what the word meant, you know what he was saying. So I'll give you a case in point. Jesus meets a woman at the well. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.